Matthew 14, 22-33 Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went upon a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down off the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Okay, this is Mark chapter 4, 35 to 41. Jesus calms the storm. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet! Be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Storms, in case you hadn't guessed. Who needs them? We do. Lovely, peaceful Galilee. I went there back in February. I went to Israel for the first time. Don't worry, I'm not going to show you all my holiday slides. (laughs) Just this one. I went with a Jeff Lucas tour. And it was so such a blessing. And um, Jeff tells um, a funny story about the first time that he went to Israel, because he goes every year now. But the first time he went, I think he was quite disappointed with all the religiosity, is that the right word? All the churches and the shrines and the, just the religious fervour, the kissing of the floors. Everywhere you go, there's... Um, a church built on top of whatever the event was and people kissed the spot where Jesus was born and they kissed the spot where supposedly he was crucified. And it's like, it, it can spoil it if you're not prepared. So when he went, he wasn't prepared for all that and so he was feeling a little bit despondent and it wasn't what he thought it would be. But on the last day, 
he decided he was going to go to the beach where his very favourite passage of scripture about when um, Peter, was life was transformed. He'd been fishing all night. He thought, I'll go back to fishing. The only thing I'm any good at. Didn't catch a fish. So, And then the stranger, you know the story, the stranger on the shore shouts to them and he runs to Jesus. And Jesus washes all his shame away and gives him a commission of what his life's going to be from now on. And he's just so blessed and so full of grace and mercy. And um, so Jeff decided, before he finished his trip, he was going to go to this beach. And he was just going to stand on this beach and just just let the atmosphere, you know, and he got this in his mind, what beach was going to be like and how he was going to feel. So he took the short boat trip the last day of his holiday over to the other side. <laughs> and he got to the shore, and um, sure enough, there was a big church, uh, a big church called the Church of the Primacy of St. Peter. And there was a big queue, with all tourists. And so he joined the queue, and he saw there was a sign to the church, and there was a sign to the beach. So he thought, I don't want to go in the church, I just want to go on that beach. So he set off to go to the beach. And there was a very a scowling priest stood there, surveying everybody. And as he set off, this priest ran after him and said, no, 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 no. Sleecha, sleecha. I don't know what that is, little no. I won't have pronounced it right. And uh, he, so he shouted, sleecha, sleecha in Hebrew. Well, Jeff didn't know any Hebrew. He only knew shalom, one word. I mean, he's pretty sure that's what he wasn't saying. <laughs> so... Um, he just stood there confused and the and the the priest in sort of heavy accented English said, You can't go there. It's, it's, you're not allowed. You can't go. It's a holy place, you're not allowed. So he thought he instantly felt like the priest could see into him, see how unholy he really was. And he felt he instantly felt that, you know, just the instant feeling of not being worthy to go to this sacred place and he just stood there all confused and then the priest pointed to a sign which he hadn't noticed before and it was in Hebrew, French, German and English no shorts and there was even a little picture of shorts in a circle with a cross through a no smoking sign of course he was wearing shorts he got up in the morning he was going to the beach it was blistering heat not allowed to go on the beach. And everyone was looking at him pityingly. And he just stood there and he thought, well, there's only one thing for it. I'm going to have to beg. <laughs> so he begged and he pleaded with this very serious priest. He explained that it was the last day of his holiday and he really, really wanted to go to this beach. And he promised he wouldn't go in the church. He just wanted to go on the beach. That's all he wanted. So the priest relented, but there was a but. He says, you can go, but you have to pull your shorts down as far as you can so that they cover as much of your legs as possible. So he did this, and it was a bit embarrassing because there was a bit of a builder's bum going on at the back. He pulled them right down as far as possible. And he shuffled onto the beach, feeling very, very silly. So he got onto the beach... And he looked round and the beach wasn't what he thought it would be. It wasn't 
you know, as colourful and lovely as he thought it would be. And instead of that like warm feeling, that warm glow of being a pilgrim, he just felt red-faced and embarrassed. And he kicked a pebble in disgust. And he was feeling quite angry because it just hadn't worked out at all. And then it dawned on him. That's how Peter must have felt. Unworthy and ashamed. And he realised that the beach welcomes awkward, stumbling, faintly ridiculous outsiders, as does Jesus. So it was a... You can imagine him, can't you? You, sit, you know Jeff Luke is very tall and lanky, <laughs> shuffling onto the beach with his shorts, <laughs> trying not to let them fall down. Galilee. It's a beautiful, peaceful place. And Jesus spent most of his ministry around the Sea of Galilee. And to be there on the shore, remembering that fish breakfast. And then we went into the middle of the lake. And it was so, so peaceful. And we looked, I looked around at the surrounding hills all around. And it was just as it would have been 2,000 years ago. No, you, you couldn't see any buildings or any churches or anything. You just saw the hills. And it was the same landscape that would have been just the same. And uh, we sang, um, Ishmael came on the tour and he brought his guitar and we sang, we had communion and we sang, Father God, I wonder. And I, I, I couldn't sing it because I had this lump in my throat. <laughs> it was just so emotional. And um, the Lake Galilee, it's a freshwater lake and it supplies the water for Israel. And it's 686 feet below sea level. And it has a tropical climate. It's lush vegetation. They even grow bananas around, around the lake. And date trees everywhere. Very beautiful. And the hills around are 2,000 feet high. And the lake is 8 miles by 13 miles. And strong winds funneled through the hills to the centre of the lake, which is quite shallow. And they bring sudden, violent storms. And they're whipped up without warning. Storms ahead. They're not always forecast. If we look at this first storm, just before this happened, just before this event, Jesus was teaching the crowds on the shore from a boat so that they wouldn't crowd in on him too much. He was teaching the parable of the sower and the seeds. And to his disciples afterwards, he explained the importance of the seed, which is the word. And he emphasized the importance of the word. And he said to them in verse 24, be careful what you hear, how you hear it. Because the measure of thought and study you give will be what you get back and more besides. In other words, if anyone has ears, let him hear let him hear, let him think about it, let him study it, let him meditate on it. And from that, you will get the revelation, you will know, the word will go right in, you will know. Not just know, but really know, know that you know. And after this, he said to them, let us go over to the other side, the word. When we were in the middle of the lake, Jeff pointed to the distant shore, some hills, and we all followed his 
finger and he said, what do you think that is, that place there that I'm pointing to? And we all went, no, nobody knew. And he says, that's the other side. And I went, wow. <laughs> Which I did a lot when I was there, I must admit. I walked around going, wow. So the word had said, let us go over to the other side. So you know what happened, the great storm. And Jesus was asleep through the storm. Where he wants us to be, sleeping, resting with him, no matter what the storm. And so they woke him up and he rebuked the waves. And he said to them, how is it you have no faith? Because he'd said, the word had said, the word that said, let there be light. The word said, we're going over to the other side. And they said, they asked a big question, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now let's look at the second storm. Just before this event, Jesus had heard that his cousin John the Baptist had been beheaded and he wanted to go and spend time with his father alone. But there were multitudes of people coming to see him and hear him and they were pressing in on him and he he had compassion on them and he spent the whole day teaching them, preaching, healing the sick. And at the end of the day, they were hungry and there was no food So he fed them all with a boys' packed lunch. Probably 10,000 people or more. And then he said, after that, he said to his disciples, you go in the boat over to the other side. I'm just going to stay here. He still needed to go and spend time with his father. When me and Irene, Eileen, sorry, (laughs) were at... um, Wembley Arena last year we went to hear Joyce Meyer preach and she didn't preach till the third day and um, whenever we needed to eat it was it was awful wasn't it Eileen there were just 10,000 people all let out for lunch at the same time the queues we, we struggled didn't we to get some get fed <laughs> he didn't queue he didn't eat exactly and um, anyway on the last day the meeting had been going on for about an hour and I couldn't see Joyce Mayer anywhere. I was looking around for her. Couldn't see her. Anyway, so they announced Joyce Mayer has arrived, and um, the side doors opened in the stalls. We were in this in the balcony, and uh, the doors opened, and all this light flooded in, and Joyce arrived with her entourage. Everyone clapped and cheered, you know, and she preached a fantastic message. She really did. I remember everything she said. In fact, God spoke to me through what she said, and it's still with me now. And uh, she was great, and she prayed for us all, and she told us a funny joke, and we all laughed, and we prayed for her, and it was lovely. It was everything that I hoped it would be, and we were the same, weren't you, Eileen? It was worth going and enjoying everything else, wasn't it, to hear her speak. And then she didn't stay to the end of the meeting. After she'd prayed for us all, she left. The the doors opened again, and she left into the... (laughs) glowing sunshine and um, the doors closed behind her and um, I'm sure I'm not guessing but I'm pretty sure she'll have got into a limo and she'll have gone to 
board a private plane, because I know she's got a private plane, and gone to France where she was going next. And she was gone. Compare that to this. Jesus had preached all day to probably about the same amount of people. He'd healed anyone who was sick, and he fed them with a packed lunch. He sent his disciples away, and then Jesus dispersed the crowds. He sent them all home. They're all full, spiritually and physically, full and exhausted. And he gently, but with authority, made sure they all got home safe. Now, at Wembley Arena, there was three or four stewards on every door, herding us out, helping us down the steps with our cases, weren't they? They were everywhere, helping. (laughs) Jesus just did that. (laughs) He had that authority to move all those people safely home. What a difference. I'm not criticising Joyce Mayer, because she has a Hand of Hope ministry that's... um, food programs throughout the third world. She's probably fed and brought the gospel to over a million people. So, greater things than this, maybe, shall you do. The disciples ended up in the boat all night. They ended up in the centre of the lake in one of those storms. They were rowing and straining against the oars for nine hours. And they were thoroughly exhausted. The next thing, they saw a ghost. And so they were screaming and petrified, as well as exhausted. Take courage, I am. Stop being afraid. The word. Say to the Israelites, I am has sent you that word. And so you know what happened with Peter. So Jesus got into the boat with a, probably a very wet Peter. And they answered the first question that they asked the other stone. They said, truly, you are the Son of God. Nobody has a storm-free life. You can have a storm-proof life. We can be full of hope in a hopeless situation if we get our mind and our thoughts in line with the word. My friend Jan, who's been going through uh, chemo for six months now, but months ago she said to me, I'm not, I'm not going to say that I'm learning to sleep in the boat with Jesus. She said, because I am sleeping in the boat with Jesus. And if that sounds super spiritual, then that's, you know, but I am. I am sleeping. She got to that point. Um, Godfrey Bertel uh, sings a song, and one, one of the lines in it is, cuddle up into his warm embrace. Cuddle up, cuddle up. I think that's wonderful. When we run to Jesus, he can put his arms around us. And my, my two little grandsons, when they were toddlers, always falling over and banging their heads. Boy toddlers, that's just what they do all the time. Whenever they did it, they'd always run to me or I'd run to them and there'd be a pause when they first did it. And then the crying would start and they'd scream and cry, make a horrible noise and you'd cuddle them and bury their heads into my my shoulder and I'd 
plant a hundred kisses on their heads and give them a great big cuddle. And that's all they needed. Possibly a Thomas the Tank Engine plaster as well. Usually went down well. But that's all they needed. They just needed to be embraced and cuddled. And that's what God wants to do to us whenever we're in trouble. Colossians 1, verse 25 to 27. This is such a wonderful scripture. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh, it's there. <clears throat> in it, being the church, I, was, I became a minister. This is Paul talking. In accordance with the divine stewardship which was entrusted to me for you. To make the word of God fully known among you. The mystery. Everyone say mystery. Thank you. Of which was hidden for ages and generations from angels and men, but is now revealed to his holy people, to whom God was pleased to make known how great for the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ within and among you, the hope of glory. In the message it reads... This mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time. But now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out. Regardless of their background or religious standing, the mystery, in a nutshell, is just this. Christ is in you. So therefore, you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Then, during those storms, Jesus came to them from afar. Or, he was asleep with them in the boats. Now, he never sleeps and is never far away because of the cross and because of Pentecost. Uh, Back in Easter in boot camp, we're all sat around the table and I was talking to them about the cross and um, they were fidgeting and they weren't really listening because the next activity was we were making chocolate nests and Easter cards and they could smell the chocolate in the air and they were... We weren't really listening, but I, I talked to them about the cross and I, I explained as well as I could. I said, on the cross, just get this girl, just listen, just for a minute, and then we'll finish. On the cross, Jesus gave his life for you. But at the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, Jesus gave his life to you. And I repeated it. And they weren't listening, I don't think. Except for Katie, who was sat opposite me on the table. And she looked up and she had a really serious look on her face. And she went, that's really generous. A seed. A seed sown. It was a wonderful moment. The disciples' lives changed forever. When they were filled with the Spirit. No more fear. No more hiding behind locked doors. No more being frightened. 
And the people were amazed. Uneducated fishermen, speaking with authority and eloquence. Christ in you. This is the treasure in jars of clay. Charles Price, when he was principal at Cape and Ray, every New Year on the first Sunday, he would preach from this verse, from these verses, to 38 new students. Always the same question he would ask at the end. Is Christ in you? And occasionally, someone would come up to him after and say, I don't think so, I don't think so. And he would lead them to receive Christ and he would say, you will enjoy your Bible study course so much better now. (laughs) Christ in you, the hope. Hope is not a wishy-washy maybe. Hope is full assurance. Not a hope so, but a sure and certain. And glory is not meaning heaven, although yes, we will go to glory in heaven. But when the Bible talks about glory, it's not talking about heaven. It's talking about the nature of God. When Jesus revealed the glory of God, he revealed the nature and the love and the character of God. And the highest glory of the love of God and the power. He will present us faultless to God by means of the blood of his cross. He's going to change us from glory to glory. Whether you feel like it or not, Christ within you and among us. It's despite how we feel and it's despite your situation and it's despite storms that you might be going through in your life. Why storms? Why did they have to fish all night? Why did Jesus leave them struggling for so long in that boat? How often do we say, I don't know how much more I can take, or that's it, I've had enough, or I can't stand it any longer, I give up, there's no hope. Or this one that I've been using quite a lot recently. That's the last straw. Why did Jesus walk on the water? To show them that the very thing they feared, the raging, seething sea, was merely a set of steps for him to come to them. You have to be tested. We have to have our faith stretched. Jesus is very unpredictable, isn't he? Never happens the way you think it's going to happen. You can announce the word of God and you say, I believe this for me. You take it as yours. It never works out the way you think it's going to work out. Jesus never helps you just at the moment you think he should help you. It's always some other time and it's always the best way. But it never works out the way you think it's going to work out. Very exciting. (laughs) So when your life is in a turmoil, as mine has been, and believe me, I'm still in a storm at the moment. I'm not preaching from a gentle shore. I'm preaching from a storm. Believe me, I've been tested on every word of this. (laughs) You can know 
that the Prince of Peace is in you. And you can say it out loud. I have found that's such a help to speak out loud the word of God. Because the enemy hears. And all those worries and doubts and thoughts that the enemy puts into your head, you can dispel them with a word. You could say out loud, the Prince of Peace is in me. And it's a lot more than just words coming out of your mouth. It's, it's spiritual warfare. You don't have to be super spiritual to get, enter into spiritual warfare. You just have to pronounce the word. Because we've read the end of the book, haven't we? And it, we win. God wins in the end. We're looking at the referendum and all these troubles um, and the fighting and backstabbing that's going on in Parliament as they try and find a new leader. But you know, there's three of those that are putting themselves forward for leaders are Christians. The daughter told me yesterday, I couldn't believe it. Three of them are Christians. Hallelujah. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move and grounded firm and deep in the Saviour's love. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life? Who is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Truly, he is the Son of God in us. Now, we're going to listen to a track now by uh, Godfrey Bertel. And it's, um, just listen to the words. It's God speaking to you, telling you, you're never on your own. We do have to go through storms. Because storms bring us closer to Jesus. So if you want to get closer to Jesus, if you want to get to know him more and more and more, if you want to go to the next level, and the next level, you have to go through storms. And you've got to learn to praise him in the storms. And you've got to learn to remember and know with all your heart that he's with you in the storms. And I thank him for that and I give him all the praise and glory. Thank you, Lord. Amen.